Oh, hey, I'm so glad that you found us. My name's Michael, and I get to be the pastor at Shepherd's Community United Methodist Church in Lakeland, Florida. You're listening to the It's Better When You're Here podcast, where every week we upload the messages that are preached at our church every Sunday. We hope by listening to this, uh, you feel safe, heard, and loved by the God that created you. We hope this message makes an impact in your life. If listening to this makes a difference, reach out to us and connect with us either on social media or on our website, shepherdsumc.com. All right, here's the message. Good morning. Today's reading is from John 15, verses 13 through 17. No one has greater love than to give up one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I don't call you servants any longer because servants don't know what their master is doing. Instead, I call you friends because everything I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you could go and produce fruit and so that your fruit could last. As a result, whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. I give you these commandments so that you can love one another. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Woo! So friends, this morning we're beginning our new series called All In. This is the sermon series that in church talk we call stewardship. That's the churchy phrase for what this series is called. Stewardship is how Christians talk about the generosity that we practice as a part of our faith. The generosity that we practice as members or visitors or passionately involved people with a church. And it's how we take what we earn in the world around us and turn it into the gospel. And so the churchy word for that is stewardship. All of you hopefully had a bulletin that this page was able to stay in. There's, I think, a trail of them coming in from the door. We, this cardstock is slippery. Can't, can't help it. But if you don't have one of these, there are plenty at the Welcome Center as well. You'll want to hold on to this for just a little bit later. But when we talk about money in the church, as I've said before, it can be an uncomfortable situation. It can feel a little bit uneasy. When preachers start talking about money, you get images of private jets and big, big houses. And I'm very grateful for what God has given to me. But you see my Honda Civic, right? It's got three working windows, not to brag or anything. But in our church, in our denomination, we really practice generosity as a part of the whole discipleship process. And when I became your pastor, I immediately became uneasy about talking about money because who am I? I'm still the new guy. I've only been here for a little over two years. And then I began to realize that if I really loved all of you, I can't just leave something off of the list. Because money matters, right? Money is why most, a lot of marriages end. Um, you look after study after study, most arguments center around finances. And if I'm going to call myself your pastor, how in the world could I pretend that money doesn't matter? And this is how we are all in. When you hear all in, it's okay to admit it. You might be thinking about poker, or you might be thinking about blackjack, right? We're, prob- we're not going to play that this morning. Uh, that was a joke. Anyways, you might be thinking about that. But when I think about it, what I think about when I hear all in is being fully committed. And when we talk about stewardship, we must have a conversion of both the heart and of the purse. 
Uh, that's a Martin Luther quote. When we convert our hearts, our money has to follow. If we're going to be all the way in, that's what it means, uh, is to also have our finances involved. If we use our time, our talent, we also need to use our treasure if we're going to be all the way in. What happens when we believe we are truly friends of Christ? That's the question that I want you to have for yourself. What happens when we believe we are truly friends of Christ? We don't give because it's easy or because it makes us feel good. We give because we are friends of God. It doesn't feel like it, but Christmas is coming. And soon we will hear the bells of the Salvation Army outside of Publix, right? Ding, 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 ding. As soon as the uh, Girl Scouts leave with their cookies, Salvation Army comes in with their bell, right? And as we hear that, we think, oh, I do have some spare change and we can drop it in the bucket. That is a way to give that makes us feel good, makes us feel like we're generous people because we are generous people. God has created us to be generous creatures. To be in community means to be truly, truly generous. But when we as a church, when we talk about giving, we are not talking about the kind of giving that makes us feel good. Instead, we're talking about the kind of giving that causes us to be more like God. And today, you're lucky to be here this morning uh, because I get to make a big announcement about our church and something that we're going to be doing as a church, not because it's easy, but because we are friends of God. And I'm really excited to share that with you this morning. They call that a cliffhanger. And now you're going to pay more attention to what I have to say. What happens when we believe we are truly friends of Christ? So in our passage, we see here that Jesus is having his last meal. We'll be celebrating that later this morning. We'll be remembering that meal. We'll be participating in that very same meal. That last meal is so important because he's letting his disciples know how it needs to be while he is gone. Jesus knows that death is coming. Jesus knows that resurrection is coming. But Jesus also knows that when he rises from the dead, he will not be staying around for very much longer. And so Jesus is setting it up for his disciples, the men and women that followed him, to know what to expect when it's ahead. He is reminding everyone that Christ came with a purpose. In the Last Supper, Jesus is telling everyone, telling all of his followers that Christ came with a purpose. Jesus didn't show up, the church didn't begin, just because it's something fun to do on a Sunday. It's not here to be some sort of country club atmosphere with a very low entrance fee. Instead, there is a purpose behind it. God wants to change the relationship between humanity and God. You're no longer servants, you're friends. I'm not keeping anything from you, I'm sharing it with you. What happens when we believe we are truly friends of God? So why is the church here? Why does it exist? Well, the church does not exist for a social circle. There are a lot of churches that exist so that people can have a good core group of friends, call themselves a family, they're tight-knit, they're enclosed, they've got closed arms, there's not wide open for everyone to come in. Maybe you were raised in that church. My, my great-great-grandpappy built this, the pulpit, and that's the identity that you have. 
It becomes some sort of social charm that you can put on your jacket when you go to the club and people can know that you're a part of that church. That's not the church's purpose. And the church does not exist as a right answer factory. Like, you're not coming in to hear everything correct out of my mouth. Friends, I'm just not that smart, right? I'm not here to tell you how to understand every single thing. Instead, I'm here to ask you questions yourself and allow the Holy Spirit to provide answers. We are not an organization that tells you what to believe, but rather what we believe and invites you to come along. There are plenty of churches that will give you the right answer about everything. You can visit them if you'd like. I don't think you'll like it. Because our church exists to be a space in between of those two things. This is what the church is for. This is why it exists. The church exists as a safe space for all and a place to hear truth. The church exists for a safe space for all and a place to hear truth. Now, I'm not going to just be up here yammering on about what I think about the world around us, right? That's not worth your time. You should sleep in if that's what you're looking for. Because I, I have to listen to me all the time, right? When I do preach, I'll tell you what I think God is telling me, what I hear in Scripture, what I understand in tradition, what I've picked up and experienced, what others have taught me. That I'll share with you. But I'm not going to try and convince you to fall in line with everything I think, right? You don't need that. And this is also not a place for you to just come and keep holding on to the sins that have held you up for your whole life, the perspectives that close you off to different perspectives, the ideas that you have that are holding you back. We're a space in between those two things. This is a safe space for all. We used to do this thing, and and we'll probably start doing it again, where we would recite the creeds together. We'd recite the Apostles' Creed and say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Just in that one little section there, you might disagree with two or three things that I just listed. And I love saying those creeds because it allowed us to remember that not all of us are on the same page. I grew up in a tradition where everyone believed the same thing or they were quiet about what they actually believed. They voted the same way. They acted the same way. They were registered in their community is the same exact thing. And I don't want to do that here. I hope this November, all of you vote a little bit differently than one or the other, right? I hope you follow your conviction. I hope you follow your purpose. I hope you listen to the Holy Spirit. But I don't want you to fall in lockstep with everyone else. I think the world has enough of that. And so we're a space in between of the right answer factory And we're an open and safe space for all. Friends, what happens when we believe we are truly friends of Christ? And so since we're a safe space for all, we want to be a safe space for all. So that means beginning October 22nd, we will begin offering two worship experiences here at Shepherd's Community United Methodist Church. And boy, oh boy, am I excited. Boy, oh boy, am I losing sleep. (laughs) But friends, this won't be easy. And nothing that we have done well as a church has been a given. We got those garden plots. And I didn't know if anyone was going to care. I had all intent of planting different plants in nine plots. And telling you, oh yeah, we got a bunch of people signed up. I wasn't going to lie. 
I might have just, you know, let you think that everyone got, got them filled up. But here we are. They're all filled up. We've got one vacant lot, which is available if you want it. And we've got people from outside of our neighborhood coming in and, and trying it. And it was a lot of work. Bill Littlefield, who I hope is watching online, I know Zach probably is, got bit up by every fire ant in this county bringing those things over. It was not easy, but you guys were generous. You guys tried something new. You guys tried something that probably wasn't going to work, and here it is. It's, it's working. We have a praise team now. When I got here two years ago, we didn't. We had one or two saints that were willing to show up and try their very best, but you all tried something. You were generous. You believed, and, and here we are. We've got a praise team so good that our worship coordinator couldn't sing this morning, and we all got to sing. Like two years ago, yeah, the worship coordinator, she's Michelle Scoppin. Yeah, amen. And so when we look at the possibilities of what two worship experiences give us, it's easy to say no. It's easy to say not yet. But I think it is in keeping with being friends of God that we say yes. We try something new. What happens when we believe we are truly friends of God? So why are we doing this? We want to make space for the next 200 people to come to this church. He says next 200. We don't have 200. <laughs> We've been averaging around 100 in worship. We've been filling up the seats that we have. Our goal and our plan is to make more space. There will be a season where there will be empty seats. And as your pastor, that makes me uncomfortable. But I've never grown in comfort. I've only ever grown in discomfort. It's going to offer more ways to belong and hear the gospel. We do worship one way every Sunday morning. And if you don't like that one way, then that's going to get in the way of you hearing the gospel. We're going to try a traditional worship service here at Shepherds. I'm going to wear my pretty little dress. It's called a robe. And we're going to have candles. We're going to have creeds. We're going to have hymns. And people that don't feel like this church is for them will feel that this church is for them. We're going to have modern worship like we have now. We're going to offer that and continue to do it with incredible excellence so that the people that feel welcome here already will continue to feel welcome. And we're going to push ourselves to be greater than we think we can be. I could not have imagined the people that I see in this sanctuary this morning. I can't imagine the people that we will see a year from now. Why October 22nd? Well, you may have recently heard that October 21st is our Fall Fest. That means that at Fall Fest, we are going to be inviting people to worship. We get to invite them to two different worship services. And that's going to be our opportunity to see new faces. Will any of them come? I don't know. Will all of them come? Probably not. I mean, that'd be a thousand people. I don't think we could fit them even in two services. But maybe. There are people in this sanctuary right now who I know came to Fall Fest, took a little while to see if they wanted to give it a try, and now they're a part of our family. Nothing we have done with excellence has been a sure thing. I'm nervous because it asks so much of you. It asks so much of all of you. And friends, I will always bet on all of you. 
I will always go all in on every last one of you. I don't care if you're a member, if this is your first Sunday, if this is your 12th Sunday or your 1,000th. I will always push all the chips in on all of you. What happens when we believe we are truly friends of God? So I've got a, a QR code here. I encourage you to, to scan this real quick. It'll come in an email form, but don't let that stop you. Take your phone out, scan this. This is a survey. This is not our chance to ask you if you think we should do this. <laughs> we have leaders that have already decided. I'm one of those leaders. I'm not the leader. I'm one of them. That we are going to push off from the docks and try something new. But this is rather for us to gain information so that we know how all of us can work together. When we double the worship services, we double the amount of kids that we get to see. We double the amount of people we get to greet. We double the amount of coffee stations we get to set up. We double the amount of opportunities to worship. And so we need to double the amount of people that are involved. Good news. You're all here, and I know that we can do it. So back to your reg regularly scheduled programming. Why do we give? We give because of gratitude. We give because we have been fully convinced that every good thing that we have is a gift from God. It has taken me a long time to realize that all the good things I have are not because of my, my talent, my ability to make something out of nothing, my willingness to work hard. Instead, I realize that every good thing I have is a gift from God. We give to commit ourselves to the mission of the church. We give because we know that the world needs the gospel. We give because we know that the world is not going to get better until Christians do something about it. And we give to bear fruit. We give to show that God has made a change in our lives. We give so that we might see change in our lives. When we commit our treasure, we are going in, all in, in our whole heart to what God is doing. Friends, what happens when we believe we are truly friends of Christ? So I've given you another, I've given you the churchy word stewardship. I'll give you another churchy word, which is the tithe. It's a churchy word that reminds us we don't give out of charity. A tithe is the practice of giving 10% of our income to the work of the church. I say 10%, and I know that that is sticker shock for a lot of people. This is the first time in my life that I've been able to get close to 10%, let alone give 10% to the work of the church. It has taken a long march in faith towards the tithe. But I don't shy away from talking about giving 10% of your income to the work of the church because I know that our neighborhood needs it. Our neighborhood doesn't need what spare change we have. Our neighborhood doesn't need what's left over. Charity is from excess. Stewardship is central. Charity is whatever spare change you have walking out of Publix that you throw in the bucket. Stewardship is central to what we do. When we serve our neighborhood, when we serve Medilla, when we serve our sister church in Cuba, we do not give what's left over. We give to them first. We pay our electric bill. We pay our salaries. We pay the things that we need, the mortgage to keep coming here so that we don't have to worship in the public's parking lot. We do those things, but we give to those ministries because they are central to who we are. 
if we stop supporting Medilla Elementary, if we stop supporting our sister church in Cuba, we would stop being us. We would stop being shepherds. We'd be some civic group that sings songs once a week. And so as a part of our identity, we have stewardship at the center. When we centralize our spirit of generosity, stewardship becomes central. And you, if you've been here more than three times, you've heard me talk about the importance of giving a percentage of your income because stewardship is a spiritual discipline, not a benefit. It's not an afterthought. It's a spiritual discipline. I'll tell you that in my journey as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, I began giving 0.5% of my income to my local church. This was a few years ago. And I felt it every time I gave it. It was not a lot of money. It was a small amount, and it felt insignificant. And when I got the end of the year report, I was ashamed to see that I had given so little. But I also knew that that's what I had, and that's what I was able to share. And then I started to realize that when I gave a percentage of my income, I was participating in the ministry of the church as if I was an investor in the church. I was all in. It wasn't an afterthought. It was central to who I am. And the other reason why we tell you to give a percentage and not a flat amount is that it's, you're able to grow that as you are able to grow in generosity and in faith. It's a lot easier to go from 0.5 to 1%. It's a lot harder to go from 20 to 80 or some other arbitrary number. So I encourage you, as you're able, to give a percentage of uh, your tithe. And friends, you'll never regret generosity. You'll never regret the opportunity you have to practice your faith in this way. What happens when we believe we are truly friends of Christ? Well, why us? Why give to the church? Why not give to any of the wonderful nonprofits around? Why not do that? Well, because in a world of extremes, we offer extreme hospitality. We're not some sort of political entity that's going to tell you what to believe. We're not some sort of civic organization that has just one motive, and that's to see some project completed. I believe, and I, and I hope you believe too, that the mission of the church is to bring about the kingdom of God. And we're going to keep doing that until the kingdom of God is at hand. And when the kingdom of God comes, friends, we won't need to give any longer because there will no longer be hunger. There will no longer be isolation. There will no longer be these things that we are fighting as a community. Generosity reminds us we have enough. When we give a percentage and not a flat amount, when we give as stewardship and not charity, we realize that we always have enough. It changes our mindset from there is so much to do and I have so little to I have so much and I can do so much. One of the great blessings of being a pastor is being able to see the generosity of people that I do life with. It is so wonderful to be able to see some of the people that participate fully in the work of this church and how some of them are kids. It's so incredible and encouraging to see that generosity does not come from who you think it might be. When I first came here, we sent out a survey and, and talked about generosity. And, and one of the respondents said, 
I wish I was a millionaire so I could give a bunch of money to the church. And you've heard this tired old joke, but I said, I wish you were a millionaire too. That would be great. I think that would really, you know, help us pay off the mortgage a little bit faster. But God didn't call a bunch of millionaires. God called a bunch of casually employed fishermen, one tax collector, and a bunch of other, sorry guys, losers, to go and accomplish the kingdom of God, and here we are, the fruit of their labor. God doesn't call millionaires. God calls all of us. Because generosity shows us that we have enough. And why us? Why the church? Because if not us, then who? We're not going to be able to solve our problems in the civic sphere. We're not going to be able to solve the world's hurts through laws and wars. We've tried that already. Instead, we need to change the world through the power of God's love. Friends, what happens when we believe we are truly friends of Christ? Let's pray together. All right, friends, I hope you heard something in today's message that made an impact in your life, helped you know that you're loved by God, and inspired you to do something about the gospel that is offered to you. Now receive this blessing as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.